Um, I, I knew all week that uh, I was going to be preaching our next Sermon on the Mount on the subject of worrying. And the good news is, being on a break from uh, taking some master's classes, I, I wasn't too concerned this week as to whether or not I was going to get the sermon done. Then uh, Wednesday, I was sitting at the uh, eye doctor's office uh, being diagnosed with a swollen optic nerve and what's called retinal vein occlusion in my right eye. And I was getting up Thursday morning, you know, still not worrying, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Um, had what, what's called, uh, basically another way of looking at this is it's an eye stroke. Uh, basically I had this blowout in the back of my eye and, uh, basically my right eye is a, is a penalty eye at this point. It does me better to cover it so that I can actually see out my left eye, which is good. Uh, so that's, that's where we're at this morning. And, uh, that's the whole sermon on not worrying. Hope you enjoyed it. No. But this morning, we are asking the question, why worry? It is interesting how the Lord works in our lives. I have to be honest with you, friends. Worrying is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I don't like to say this about a lot of things. Worry is a subject I'm well familiar with. I might be the expert on worry. Man, these sermons on the mount, they just get more difficult every Sunday, I think. Well, this morning, we're not asking the question, do you ever worry? We're not asking that question. I know we worry. The question is, why worry? That's the question we're asking this morning. It's safe to say we can easily be buried in worry as we move throughout this life, right? It's easy to worry about things. Often, it's, it's our first instead of our last resort. For example, uh, little things in life, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're expecting a check in the mail. Uh, maybe we're expecting some money, direct deposit. We're praying it hits soon. Maybe we really need the money. Maybe we really need to get some bills paid. Maybe we've only got so many days to get a certain presentation finished for the board. Have you ever been uh, in those shoes? Life has happened to us in the meantime. Maybe our physical health. Uh, or the physical health of someone very close to us uh, in one way, shape, or form, uh, in, or another is failing, failing us. And we're wondering how much, maybe even how soon. We've all been there in one of these capacities. You know, our capacity uh, for worry, our struggle with worry, doesn't always have to be for the, the most serious of matters, though. We can worry about the little things, too. You worry about the little things sometimes. Did I turn the heat off before leaving for vacation? We might ask ourselves. Uh, did I remember to tell the kids, bring a lawn chair for the evening? We're going to be out at the campfire this time. Little worries. Maybe we're in a panic. Maybe we're asking ourselves of a morning uh, for crying out loud. Where are those coffee filters? Have you ever been in one of those situations? I'd like to paraphrase... Uh, Steve Martin, for a moment, uh, said, one, said something along the lines, I always thought for sure it was impossible to run out of coffee filters. You know, like there was a little coffee filter gnome who left you one or two in the cupboard from time to time. This seemed to be the reality. The coffee filters were always just there. Unfortunately, Martin said, I found out this morning there is no coffee filter gnome. 
I found out. I'm out of coffee filters. I can't find any paper towels. It's 5.30 in the morning, and there's a very dense fog outside. We worry about all kinds of things, don't we? And usually, like a coffee filter dilemma, often we find our worry is much ado about nothing as well. There's an old story about an exasperated husband who asked his wife one evening, Why are you always worrying? It doesn't do you any good to worry. The wife quickly responded to her husband, Sure it does. Most of the things I worry about never happen. <laughs> Statistically, this is true. One study conducted showed that only 8%, 8%, less than 10, of the things you and I typically worry about are situations of which we have any influence. Only 8%. 8% isn't enough of a chance to plan a rain makeup day over. What about the rest of the pie? 40% of things most people worry about never happen. 30% of what we worry about has already happened and cannot be changed. It's done. 22% of what we worry about pertains to problems which are beyond our control. I think objectively, we often recognize this. Mickey Rivers, former outfielder for the New York Yankees, once said, ain't no sense worrying about things you got control over, because if you got control over them, ain't no sense worrying. And there ain't no sense worrying about things you got no control over, because if you got no control over them, ain't no sense worrying about them. Makes sense, right? And yet, we do. We do often, don't we? we? We go right on and worry anyway. We go right on. We worry, we, we worry, we fret, we wrestle and sit and stew over kids and parents and finances and social situations and health issues and politics and social media and vehicles and hobbies and recipes and coffee filters and lawnmowers and finding something to do and having not enough time to get something done and past and the present and the future and so on and so forth. I think Mickey Rivers might be onto something. Jesus says it an even better way. Turn with me uh, to Matthew 6, verse 25. We've got it on, a, on the screen here behind me. Verses 25 to 34. Preaching again from the mount, our Lord Jesus says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And Jesus says this, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow 
will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What does Jesus say is the problem? Beyond our busy schedules, beyond broken appliances, our worries, our cares, social anxiety, you name it. The problem is really not any of these things when we get right down to it. The U.S. Library of Medicine has uh, compiled a report giving details that prolonged worry and anxiety can be directly related to coronary heart disease. But it's not these broken appliances that cause us to have heart disease. The problem with worry is that when we worry, we're hanging on to the weight of the world. We're hanging on to the weight of the world. Jesus uses this word in the text in verse 32, Gentiles. He references the Gentiles. He's speaking to his followers about the others. For the Gentiles, he's saying the nations of the world seek after all these things. Worry about these things. Your heavenly Father, God knows that you need these things. But when we worry, we doubt him. We doubt God. The problem is we Christ followers often alternate from faith in God into doubt when it comes to living in the real world. Jesus here is calling us out on it. You know how we sing that old spiritual song from time to time up here? It's a favorite of mine. It's actually an old uh, gospel blues song by Skip James. He's a mighty good leader. We sing it from time to time. Uh, he led my father all the way, all the way from earth to heaven. He's a mighty good leader all the way. I've decided I'm going to sing a little bit in each sermon from here on out. I hope that's okay. Till the elders bring in the big Warner Brothers cane, you know. We, you, you familiar with this song? But our problem, uh, Christ followers, is that although we say we believe in a Jesus who can lead us all the way from earth to heaven, for some reason, we don't believe Jesus is capable of taking care of us before we depart. I'm not saying let Jesus put groceries in the fridge. You don't have to do that yourself. I'm not saying let Jesus pay the rent. You don't have to work to cover your expenses. Or wait on Jesus to send you some gift cards in the mail for some new clothes. It's, it's not up for you, uh, up to you to provide for yourself. This is not going to happen. Uh, he's not going to uh, drop some Bitcoin at you. But it's important for us to remember that these groceries in the refrigerator, the roof over our heads, the clothes on our backs, and so on and so forth, are not the things that keep this world going for us. God does that. God does that. So why worry about these things? Yes, our needs are important. The needs of the birds and the lilies are important to the birds and the lilies, just as the needs of people are important to people. But Jesus reminds us this morning, verses 26 to 30, that these birds, these lilies, God's creation has its needs met. A lot of it doesn't worry about it. So why do we? Why do we worry? We're not forced into worrying about this world, yet we're too often we're in a hurry to worry. What's a better alternative? Last week, I shared with you all about uh, that copy uh, on vinyl record I received when I was a small child of the Muppet Silly Songs. I, I shared with you that, that this album kind of set me on a course for life. Uh, you know, great 20th century philosopher Jim Henson. 
This morning, I'd like to, to share the name of another great 20th century philosopher of influence with you. Maybe you've heard me talk about him before. Did you ever read Mad Magazine? You know, for some of us, it was the greatest thing in the grocery store on the magazine rack when we were 11 years old. Perhaps you've heard me speak of, of uh, the great 20th century philosopher Alfred E. Newman. Anybody remember Alfred E. Newman? Alfred E. Newman was, I should have gotten a picture back, I didn't think about that. He was the, the freckled-faced, uh, gap-toothed kid who appeared on the cover of, of Mad Magazine, sometimes in, in the place of the president, that one's been updated recently. Uh, every, you know, every president since Eisenhower or somebody got the Alfred E. Newman treatment. But sometimes Alfred would, would fill the shoes of the president with some of his characteristics or somebody from Hollywood on the cover. The best part about Alfred E. Newman, besides the satire for which he stood, was his catchphrase. Does anybody remember Alfred E. Newman's catchphrase? You can just call it out if you remember it. That's it. I, we get a chorus going of that. Call and response, what me worry? I don't but the fun of Alfred E. Newman on the cover of Mad Magazine was that ironically, he had everything in the world to worry about. From magazine cover to magazine cover, you never knew quite what pot shots uh, his animators would be taking the next issue, film, political scandal. We're not animated characters. You and I have choices in our circumstances uh, throughout our life. No one is literally drawing us into a situation. Remember like that old Daffy Duck cartoon? Preacher's talking some weird stuff today. But we're not drawn, uh, you know, forced into these situations like cartoon, uh, Alfred E. Newman. Uh, we have some choice to our circumstances in life, at least in our responses to our circumstances. And so what me worry can and should be our catchphrase, right? How long, how often do we look around at our circumstances? We ignore this call of, of Alfred E. Newman, or maybe the suggestion of Mickey Rivers, more importantly, the commands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. How often do we instead say, yes, me worry? One publication reports that a third of all Americans worry intensely at least 90 minutes a day, on average. 90 minutes a day, we we waste worrying. Why worry? Why waste our time? It's a waste of our time. And it's also not our place to worry. It's not our place to do so. And Jesus reminds us of this in our text. Let's go back to verse 26. What does he say here? Jesus reminds us of God's love for us first here. Are you not of more value? The, uh, than they, of these birds for which your Father provides. Jesus reminds us we're very valuable to God. Very valuable to God. In fact, we're to die for. Then Jesus goes on to remind us, uh, after he reminds us of God's love for us, then he goes on to remind us how we fail to remember this love. The love he has for us. We do this every single time we spend worrying. Verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour? to his span of life. We waste too much of our time worrying about our time, don't we? Don't we? And if you don't believe me, have you ever spent a day off from work worrying about your work? Has this ever happened to you or someone you know? 
Thinking about something maybe uh, somebody said to you or something somebody didn't say to you. I used to have work situations in the past where I would worry about this. I'd worry about something that was said to me or something on the job. And the next day would get here. I'd be waking up in the morning, dragging myself out of bed to punch the time clock, thinking, can I have another one, Lord? Uh, I'll use this day off more responsibly, I promise. But this is what we do. Uh, we, we know people that do this if we're not one of these people. And Jesus is saying, stop this. Stop wasting your time, worrying about your time. It's all God's time anyway. Now, Jesus isn't saying to the faithful this morning, live in a daze. He's not telling us to, to walk around pretending life is perfect and angels tuck us in at night. Jesus isn't uh, expecting that we'll walk around and sometimes we, we meet people like this, maybe even in the church, people that want you to think, I have no problems, it's all good, nothing ever hurts. There was a movie that recently drew attention to uh, the phrase, uh, I am too blessed to be stressed. Have you ever heard this one? Kind of makes you sick. Too blessed to be stressed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. As though it's somehow indicative of a Christian lacking faith when he or she is stressed. As though Jesus wasn't stressed in the Garden of Gethsemane before the crucifixion. As though Jesus didn't carry the weight of the world on his back when he went to the cross for us. But the difference is we're not him. The difference is we're not him. So it's not our place. It's not the Christian's place to stew over or to deny our cares and concerns. We need to acknowledge them and then let go of them. You see, it's our place to give our worries to Jesus. But when we worry, when we fret, when we sit and stew, we're continuing to carry that which belongs not in our hands, but in the hands of our Savior the hands of our Savior. Instead of living as disciples, we're acting like slaves to the world. When I worry, I'm not seeking kingdom of God, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, verse 33. I'm really just thinking about kingdom Josh. It's interesting. A pair of psychologists at Penn State University conducted a survey to determine the single most frequent source of worry for most people. I, I thought this was interesting. Can, can you guess what they concluded it was? What do we worry about most? Other people's opinions of our lives. Out of this survey, they discovered other people's opinions of our lives are the single most frequent worry, source of worry for most people. So, let me get this straight. Our single most frequent source of worry, on average, brothers and sisters, isn't for a world going to hell. It's a question of how highly its inhabitants regard you and me as people. What they think of us. Whether they've clicked the proverbial like on the old Facebook or Instagram. But think about it. This, I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but think about it. How often does that thought cross our minds? What they think of what I said earlier? What they think of what I didn't say earlier? Did I make the right impression? Should I have served tacos instead of casserole? Was that coffee filter gnome joke poorly placed this morning in the sermon? That's going to bug me all day. It's okay to be tactful and learn from our mistakes, but when we obsess over details from the past, I don't know if that's you or, or maybe someone you know. When we, when we do this, when we obsess over what's gone, this is seeking the wrong kingdom. Why worry? 
We need to move on. I heard a preacher once say worry is a sin. My friends, this is most certainly true. Worrying is selfish, idolatrous sin. And the solution to the sin, like the solution to any sin, is to give it to God. Everything. All our cares, all our concerns, assume our rightful place before Him. As C.S. Lewis once said, I gave in and admitted that God was God. We worry because in some way, shape, or form, we're, we're thinking too much about creation and not enough about our Creator. We're following people, including our own thoughts, far too much and our Maker too little. But when we give in, when we let God be God, I won't say this is going to be easy. But when we give in, when we let God be God, it, it won't matter. It shouldn't matter what we've done and what we haven't done, what we said, what we didn't say or, or, or did or didn't do. All that will matter is our Heavenly Father. Again, not easy. Not easy. It's not going to be easy. I think about the Garden of Gethsemane often. Think about those moments in our lives. We have those moments in our lives. We say, Lord, why? This isn't what I want. I don't understand this. I can't fathom how, how you would allow this, will this for my life. But Lord, if this is your will, if this is your will, let it be done, Lord. Not my will, but yours. Those moments means we'll learn to trust those moments. It won't make them easy. My daddy once said, maybe it will make them bearable. As the Son trusted those moments to the Father, Luke twenty-two forty-two. You know, one thing that I love so much about the words of Jesus, I think we find this. We find this whenever Jesus says, whenever Jesus is speaking. But I think certainly throughout uh, this Sermon on the Mount, certainly throughout the series, is the words of Jesus are always so practical. You know, I don't know, I don't know about you, uh, just speaking from my own experience, but I'm always so quick to think about getting to uh, that job tomorrow, you know, getting that check in the mail tomorrow, getting everything ready for those people that are coming over tomorrow. It's, it's like I can't even limit my worries to what's going on today. Uh, today I have to ruin a, a period of time that's not even here yet. Jesus doesn't say, don't, don't ever prepare for tomorrow. Don't ever make preparations. Don't ever do what you can do your future but Jesus does say verse 34 don't be anxious about tomorrow don't be anxious about it tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble this is our Lord and Savior God incarnate who says this sufficient for the day is its own trouble isn't it true there's a reason why 25 hours is too many and 23 is not enough, why God only gives us 24 hours at a time. God is a God of tomorrow as well as today. Praise his name for this. The story goes there was a recently licensed pilot who flew his private plane on a very cloudy day. Inexperienced with instrument landing, uh, he began getting panicky when, when it was uh, time for the control tower to bring him in. Suddenly, a powerful voice came over the radio, you just obey instructions and we'll take care of the obstructions. You just obey instructions, we'll take care 
of the obstructions. Leaving our cares up to God works very much the same way. We, we got to just do what he says and leave what's ahead of us up to him. And the Bible tells us time and time again to trust this ride called life to God. Let him take care of the speed bumps. First Peter 5, 7 tells us cast all your anxiety on him. All your anxiety, not just some of it, all of it. Cast all of it on him because he cares for you. Paul tells the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 6, Do not be anxious, do not worry about anything, but in everything, everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We don't, we don't worry, we let God be God right here, right now in our past, as well as what's up ahead. But maybe you're, you're listening to this message this morning, and maybe you're also worried about something. Maybe something's on your, your heart today. Something's eating at you, some problem or issue or concern, prayer request, something that, that just won't go away or leave you alone, doesn't seem to have a solution or at least a very easy solution. How do, you, how do, I, how do we trust God to take care of these worries? I think one way, one very powerful way is to remember how God is, is already revealed as taking care of us. How does God take care of obstructions? It's all right here in the instructions. We remember Joshua of the Old Testament. As one author reminds us, Joshua could have spent plenty of his time worrying he could have spent plenty of time worrying. He had enemies to conquer. He had rivers to cross. He had in-house problems to solve, land to divide fairly. Many people depended on Joshua for their safety and their well-being. But before he embarked on the task of leading the Israelites into the promised land, God had spoken to him in the strongest possible way about ridding his life of fear and worry. And do you remember what God told him? First chapter, Joshua. Verses 5 and 9. Do you remember what God told him? God said, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Do you think that clicked immediately? We know by the end of Joshua's life, this author continues, he was able to talk about overcoming worry by believing God's faithfulness to his promises. Every time, and we see it, every time Joshua acts on faith rather than fear, God comes through with everything Joshua needs to accomplish God's purposes. Here's the cool part, my friends. Today, God has made the same promise to you that he made to Joshua. You might make a note of Hebrews 13.5. So this is just one example from the instructions of how we can surrender any obstructions, any worry of the unknown to a God we can know personally. But knowing this, I'd like to offer a, a few ways. Uh, maybe you too can turn your doubts into uh, your doubts and fears and your worries into trusting God. Offer some tangible suggestions uh, for this week and your weeks to come. This part of the message might be for those of you who like taking notes. Number one, I should have put this up there, but we didn't. So uh, I'll try to uh, just go through them slow enough to where you can catch them. Number one, stop worrying and start trusting. Number one, recognize that just as he was for Joshua, God is always with you. He's always for you. And he always loves you. 
this is so important. Brothers and sisters, God is always with you. He's always for you. He always loves you, no matter what. Now, from cover to cover of this book, we find this to be the case with God's people, certainly in the text from the Sermon on the Mount that we've read today. How else can we uh, stop worrying and start trusting? Number two, this is a big one. This is a great big one. Turn those worrisome thoughts into verbal prayers and petitions. And when these pop into our mind, start turning those thoughts, turning those worries. Express them verbally into prayer and petitions. You know, name them. Name the people. Joshua, David, Jesus. You name it. It worked for them. It can work for us, too. This is a continued part of the process, by the way. Number three, and with this I'd like to uh, present Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. You don't have to turn there, but maybe just jot that down. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Uh, third way you can uh, stop worrying and start trusting God is let others, let other people uh, continue to be your priority in, in how you respond to the situation. If we put other people to the top of the priority list, it can really change our attitude about our circumstances. And along with this, uh, number four, last, last suggestion this morning. Number four, incredibly important. Number four, we have to recognize our limitations. Number four, recognize your limitations and trust God has the situation in his hands. Uh, good scripture uh, to think of in this case, Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. This isn't going to be easy. This isn't going to be the easiest course of action. Ultimately, we must let God be God, no matter our circumstances. I'd like to share briefly with you a, an example of a couple who managed to do that despite their own circumstances. Maybe you've heard this story before. It's uh, kind of an inspi uh, inspirational story. In 1905, a pair of songwriters, uh, Sevilla D. Martin and Charles H. Gabriel, he wrote an incredible gospel song, and it was inspired by Matthew 6, 24 to 35 from the Sermon on the Mount. I'm not going to tell you what the title is, but I bet you'll guess it when we get there, maybe just before we get there. Sevilla Martin, who wrote the lyric, shared the following encounter, which was an inspiration for her writing. According to Sevilla, quote, early in the spring of 1905, my husband and I were traveling in Elmira, New York. We befriended a couple there by the name of Mr. and Mrs. Doolittle. The Doolittles were true saints of God. Mrs. Doolittle had been bedridden for 20 years. Her husband propelled himself to and from his business in a wheelchair. Despite these afflictions, the Doolittles lived happy Christian lives. They brought inspiration and comfort to all who knew them. She goes on, one day, while we were visiting with this wonderful couple, my husband commented on their bright hopefulness and asked them for the secret of it, despite their circumstances. And Mrs. Doolittle's reply was simple. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I think we were trying to play the song, and <laughs> his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. 
This is what she responded about her circumstances. Sevilla continues, The beauty of this simple expression of boundless faith gripped the hearts and fired the imagination of Dr. Martin and me. The hymn, His Eye is on the Sparrow, was the outcome of this experience with this couple. And I think many of us, all these years later, decades later, are familiar with this old song. We didn't sing it maybe in a congregation somewhere. Maybe we've heard recording of it. Uh, Everybody from Marvin Gaye to Andy Griffith has recorded it. I never thought I'd put those two names in the same sentence. Would have been an interesting collaboration. God's eyes on the smallest creation the world over. Can't we be assured that he's watching over us too, who are made in his image, who he loves So much. He died for us. Why worry? The next time that you're tempted to do so, I challenge you. Think of Mad Magazine. This is something you may hear from a lot of other preachers, but you know me. I like to think outside the box. Alfred E. Newman is grinning at you from the football field, the White House, or wherever. Asking that same question, you know, this person who's put his trust and obedience in the one on the mount saying, I follow Jesus. What? Me worry? Why? Let's pray. Lord, we we love you so much. Lord, I just pray that in all of our fears and all of our worries and in all of these things that obstruct us. Lord, I pray that we would give them all to you. Lord, I pray that they would help us to be not a hindrance from you, but maybe the very things in our life that drive us to you. Lord, your word tells us that that you have overcome this world. You've overcome the world. Any trouble we have in this world, ultimately, Lord, it's all going to respond to you. It's all going to answer to you. Your word says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Your word says, Lord, there's nothing that can keep us from you. So help us, Lord, to surrender it all. All of our worries, our cares and concerns and doubts. Lord, we know we don't have the answers, but we know you do. And Lord, ultimately, we know that you are the answer and that your your love and grace and mercy, Lord, is, is all that we need all that we need for an eternity. Help us to remember, Lord, that, that we're followers and, and we're disciples and, and we, are, we are called to be examples before the world. Help us, Lord, to remember, like you, when, when, we're, when we're at that moment that we're asked to, to surrender, that we're asked to, to give it up, Painful moments in our lives, we remember. You've conquered all. 
we can surrender to. Lord, we, we thank you for who you are. We, we thank you for that amazing grace. Lord, I just pray that, that each and every person that is here this morning, Lord, would, would run to you. Would run to you maybe closer than they did yesterday. Whatever's holding them back, they would give this up to. Pray that you would continue to work on us as, as we work in our communities. It is in the name of Jesus. Pray these things, amen.